Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. Hope you're all doing well. Uh, the heavens have well and truly just opened here. So if you are happen to be in the Hampshire area, I hope you're tucked up inside. Uh, obviously joining me, Liam, how you doing? All good, thanks, Rich. How are you, how are you doing after a, a week hiatus? Yeah, so first of all, thank you so much, Liam, for, for stepping in. It was incredibly late notice. I think I gave you about half an hour's uh, notice before I said you're doing the pod <laughs> on your own. So thank you very much for jumping in. Um, my little one is, is doing much better today. Um, and yeah, thank you all ever so much. Uh, lots of people reached out over the last week, um, just checking in, see how he is. So, uh, so thank you ever so much for those of you that did check in. Um, before we dive into the show, um, keen to remind you that this podcast is, is brought to you by Five Yard Dynasty. The Five Yard Dynasty podcast brought to you by Manscaped, uh, who are the best in below the waist men's grooming. Um, we still have an exclusive offer for you. Um, you can use the code Five Yard for twenty percent off free worldwide shipping. Um, I'll be honest; we've, we've talked about this for a few weeks now. Um, you're, you're probably getting tired, but honestly, it, it is an incredible piece of kit. Liam is Liam is modeling the t-shirt incredibly well um i I actually i actually tried out the boxers on a on a run the other day um i have to say it 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 was incredible um they they have very much become my my performance boxer of choice shall we say um (laughs) but if you're going to wear those performance boxers you got you got to make sure everything's nice and tidy so uh, so make sure you get your manscaped equipment because it is truly fantastic liam i saw you uh you're having a little swig there of uh, of something cocktail of choice for for this week what do we got yeah so today if you're watching us this is a rum fix so that includes just normal white rum lemon juice and cointreau and this again first time i've tried it and it's pretty good to be honest it's meant to be a shot but i've i've done extra so i can have it as an actual drink <laughs> So just just an incredibly strong drink. So you're going to be slowing your words by the end of the the show. Potentially, I'm going to have to take it a bit slow today. 
it looks it looks a, a nicer color i'll be honest it's not the pink and yeah. luminous orange that we've been going for that's i was gonna say i did i did uh take your take your criticism yeah lyrobic we'll go with that then I did take that on board um like last week I don't know whether you watched the stream afterwards, but I did have another red drink on. I, I did notice, indeed. Yeah, it just yeah. just shows your, uh, you know, your your metrosexuality is uh, is far stronger than mine. <laughs> so, with that, let's just move on really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> um, as usual, we'll start off with the highest scorer. So this week, we're changing up a little bit. So previously, we've been doing 0.5 PPR. Um, but now we're going to just move to full PPR because I think most leagues are in full PPR now. Um, standard four-point touchdown for quarterbacks and no tight end premium. Fine. So you've finally given into my my bullying around not ha- you're obsessed. To, yeah. You're obsessed with point five PPR, and I keep telling you the, the real world is full PPR. Liam. A lot of my leagues are half PPR, so that, that's the only reason I tend to do it. And um, I suppose PPR is not too bad. So quarterback-wise, we had Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, and Matthew Stafford as the top three. Matthew Stafford having a brilliant game against the Bucks, showing the the rest of the league that the Bucks aren't this top class defense every week, week in, week out, and there are ways to beat them. Uh, Running backs-wise, we've got Najee Harris exploding onto the blocks. So that's our third rookie in three weeks to have an absolutely explosive week. Uh, Kareem Hunt that I don't think many people saw coming. And then Ezekiel Elliott after a couple of of questionable games. We'll go with that. Wide receivers, we went, oh, we have Mike Williams, Devontae Adams, and Cooper Cup. So Cooper Cup finding his way into the top three yet again. Um, and then Titans, this is the one where you couldn't have predicted the top two at all. Uh, Tyler Conklin, who people thought was going to do brilliantly when uh, uh, Smith went down, but then Herndon came in and no one really knew. He went off for, I think it was 29 or something points. Uh, Mike Gusecki and then Travis Kelsey still lingering around in that top three. So just put put in that emphasis on Travis Kelsey or nothing at that I think, position. I think it's very interesting with the Tyler Conklin um kind of make it have breakout game, should we say, because obviously KJ Osborne has been fantastic through two weeks and there's been kind of a shift in terms of the Vikings offense, a lot more 11 personnel getting those three receivers on the field and KJ Osborne's seen a decent snap share, but yet here we are and, and Tyler Conklin's now had a, a breakout. So does that mean that, you know, KJ Osborne's a thing of the past and we're going to go back to that 11 personnel and and the the tight end is going to get a focus. I'm, I've one little nugget I've got about the Vikings offense. So they had five players receive targets and receptions on Sunday, and those five were the starters. So it was literally it was Tyler Conklin, Alexander Madison, KJ Osborne, Adam Thielen, and Justin Jefferson. No other player saw a target from Kirk Cousins. So I think we we we've seen you know the people that are going to get those. That work, and I do think it's interesting that through three weeks we've seen four fancy relevant people um, each week, basically. And it's it's sort of is it going to be a seesaw of are we going to see this through season of is it going to be a KJ Osborne game or is it going to be a Conklin game? Um, certainly, certainly one to monitor for me. Yeah, um, I agree with you on that. I think Conklin is just one of those that is going to blow up every other every other week or every so often. Um, Kirk Cousins has been extremely efficient. Um, he's not thrown any interceptions so far this season, which uh, I'm not surprised, but I'm not... I, I wasn't expecting that. Um, but enough about the high scores. I'm pretty sure if you've lost, you don't want to be listening to <laughs> us talking who, who just beat you, or most likely just beat you. So some significant news and moving... Sticking with the theme of whether you've just lost and us talking about that, probably CMC went out, or Christian McCaffrey went out of the game after scoring, I believe it was six PPR points with a hamstring injury. Now, 
we've seen news or reports that he's not going to IR. Um, but the fact that that was even a question makes me a little bit worried over the next couple of weeks. I think what what's amazing with this, and shout out to Edwin Porras, who we had on the show in the off season, and and as you know, was incredible in terms of the work that he put out super quick on this. And he was basically saying that a third of people that suffer the injury that CMC did miss a week, a third of people miss two weeks, and then I think it's like fifteen percent miss three weeks, or and then the the rest miss four weeks more. So basically, what we're saying is is that it's probably a one or two week injury. Um, which to me is 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 a really good thing because I think when it happened, I think people were thinking, oh God, this is a sort of four to six week injury and we're going to miss him. But, you know, hopefully if if you, you acted quickly, you were able to to buy some additional Christian McCaffrey. I know I, I added one share in a Devi league. I don't know if you were able to buy the, uh, buy the injury dip, Liam, at all. No, not at all. Unfortunately, in most of my leagues, he was still really, really highly priced. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't buy time. So moving on, sticking with the running backs, we've got Dalvin Cook. Uh, concern over the ankle. I know he was inactive last week, and if you played Alexander Matterson, you were definitely happy about that. Yeah, I, th- and, I think again, this is an interesting one because, again, to to, to keep going back to Edwin Porras, when it happened, he talked about the potential high ankle movement. Uh, in terms of there could be possibility this is a high ankle sprain. And we know that those, you know, a, a normal traditional ankle sprain can be a, a one to two week injury, but those high ankle sprains, you're talking more four to six. And and the fact that Dalvin Cook was was able to miss this week, they've, they've not said it's a high ankle sprain, but I'm, I'm certainly a little bit more nervous about Dalvin Cook over the next couple of weeks than I am, say, Christian McCaffrey at the moment. Yeah, and sticking with the running backs, um, I know that in the off-season we do say that running backs get injured quite a bit, and I think the the past two weeks have really proven that. Uh, Darrell Henderson, again, he was inactive last week. Um, He could be back this week, but we don't know at this point. Um, We haven't got a lot of news about that one, so that's his ribs. Juju Smith-Schuster, again, ribs, um, left the game this week. Uh, I have a team where I had Darrell Henderson on the bench, CMC Juju and then AJ Brown who we're going to cover in a minute where I had three of my seven, oh, I think it was eight skill, skill position starters go out of the game. Brutal. Uh, moving on, AJ Brown he's considered week to week at the moment um, with a hamstring Sterling Shepard again hamstring um, two to four weeks dependent on the severity. Again, we're just waiting for these injury reports to come out and get a bit more information. Is there anyone there that you want to pick up on? Anyone that you you feel needs to be talked about a little bit more? I think I think the AJ Brown one is is interesting um because I think that they're with you know he, he's not had the dream start. Um I obviously talked about Ryan Tannehill in my buy sales article about his kind of lack of touchdowns and you know that that you can put that hand in hand with AJ Brown's slow start um he, he's now week to week with a hamstring injury to me that says he's he's not playing this week and he's you know potentially 50-50 for next week as not claiming to be an expert on on the injury side but to me if this opens a buy window for AJ Brown I still think he's a top 5 dynasty wide receiver I think if you can go out and buy him at the moment for you know, and two firsts, anything less than that, I think that's that's an absolute smash. Um, I love buying the injury dip, particularly if it's sort of niggly injuries like this, where people are people are wanting him in their starting lineup. But actually, if you sit in it, sit him out for two weeks and and you're good to go, and you've now got a stud at a, a cheap price. So, yeah, I, I, I'm not going out and overpaying. I'm probably not paying what he's worth at the moment just because there is that injury concern but if I can get any sort of injury discount I'm, I'm very interested in AJ Brown Yeah he's someone I want to talk about next week in my um, my roster management article about buying injury dips as you've just said I think that he's going to have a, a great end of the season but those contenders are going to want that, those points now uh, so moving on James White has a hip Sublaxion. I can I'm never say it. You... I know you you <laughs> took this one on Ryan Fitzpatrick. Considering I've watched the NFL for probably eight years now, 
I've never seen this, and then we've seen it twice in the past three weeks. And it's basically, it's the same as Ryan and Fitzpatrick's uh, injury, where the hip joint looked to have popped out and gone back in, or, or half popped out. Yeah, um, pretty much. Obviously, I'm not an injury specialist, and that's why we have Edwin, um, and we, we look at Edwin's articles as well to help us out. But yeah, he he's likely done for the season. He was having a really good start to the season as well. Um, I know that, especially in PPR leagues, people were putting him as a wide uh, running back too. Um, I have a league where I had him as my RB too, and I was doing not horrendously, but I could count on him for ten to fifteen points a game. So I think there, there's there's potential that he could be back for the playoffs um, in terms of the fancy playoffs. So I do think if you are a contender. You know, if if somebody on a rebuilding team does have him, go and float a third or a fourth round pick because, you know, he's not getting any younger. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't around in future years. So I, I think but for, like, I, I basically don't count third and fourths as anything. So if I can, can add a player that could potentially help me in the playoffs, could be a sneaky buy. Yes, he, he could well be done for the season, but why not? Definitely. Um, Tyler Lockett, knee sprain. So no info at the moment, but it looks like it's an MCL sprain from some of the Twitter specialists that we seem to see everywhere. Yes. Um, but it could be two to four weeks. If it is that, it could be longer. We're just waiting on info on that. Yeah, so this is, so again, to shout out four for four, this is their their injury specialist has, has kind of suggested that based on the video of him leaving the game at the end of the, of the, at the, end of the game, sorry, that it was a, a potential MCL sprain or meniscus issue, which would be out for two to four weeks if that was the case. Now, I've not seen any confirmation out of Seattle. They've not said anything. Um, it is very much just kind of rumour and, I guess, conjecture at the moment. But if you can kind of get ahead and potentially sell to lock it off the back of his incredible start to somebody, you know, pivot to a, a similar price player and then, if, if the news does come out in the next 24, 48 hours, once we start getting injury reports, once they're practising, um, you, you could be thanking us. It's a shame because he was having a good start to the season. Incredible start. Incredible. Um, and I, so still, I still think Brown. he's undervalued as well. Yeah, he, he'll, he'll be one of those players, like someone we're going to talk about later, that he's just going to be constantly undervalued for the entire of his career, even though he does really well. Um Rob, Gron- uh, Rob Gronkowski, can't, no idea why I mess that one up. It's the, <laughs> the alcohol's already getting to me, Rich. So ribbed, rib contusion, It's by the sounds of it, it looks to be just a pain tolerance issue. If he can play through it, he'll play through it. You know what Gronk's like. Um, but by the looks of it, it's not anything that could hold him out unless the pain is just too, too much. Um, KJ Hamler, he's had an ACL tear. So the guy that I wanted, um, which didn't want when Judy went down, um, has also gone down. So now I'm all on the Tim Patrick wide receiver to train for the moment. Um, nice so yeah, KJ Hamler. A <laughs> couple of weeks late. Yeah. So KJ Hamler likely done for the season. And then because we don't want this segment to be just bad news after bad news, here's some good news. So Rashad Bateman and Curtis Samuel are eligible to return this week. Now, we haven't seen any news so far, but hopefully we get to see Bateman on the field because he's someone that I was high on in the pre-draft process. And I, I was still high on him, much higher than consensus, because when he went to the Ravens, I still had him as my wide receiver three, I believe it was in the class. Everyone else dropped him to at least five. Um, whoa, 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 so. whoa, whoa. Let's, let's not cast aspersions. I think you'll find he was, he was, my, <laughs> he was my wide receiver too, Liam. Uh, okay, okay. The draft. He's uh, I'll, I'll in, let you have that one. An, in, an incredible prospect, an incredible you know uh, production profile. He was... Uh, wide receiver two in terms of my rookie model, um, only behind Jamar Chase. Uh, I think he was 97th percentile. Um, he's he's an incredible guy. Yes, he's in a run-first offense. The Ravens, I think, are the only offense in the NFL that have had more run attempts than they have pass attempts. But look, this is a guy we've seen. We talked about him last week. Hollywood Brown has, has had, I think, two top 24 wide receiver weeks through three weeks and he probably would have had a third if he didn't drop three pretty much surefire touchdowns. If Rashad Bateman's going to walk in and be the number one target 
in that offense, commanding a you know a 20-25% target share, he's probably going to be a wide receiver three at worst. I think for me, I'm really excited about Rashad Bateman. Um, if you're trying to buy low, this is probably your last opportunity um, because I think as soon as he, he gets on the field, he's going to get people excited once they can see what he can do. As soon as he gets taken off um, the IR, everyone should go into not necessarily raise their prices, but they're going to be reluctant to sell because they want to see him before they do anything with it. Exactly. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So, so moving on to the dynasty stock market. So the first guy is a guy that you, you, you hinted at in the high scorers. He was the wide receiver one on the week. Um, so Mike Williams, he is wide receiver two on the season, Liam. Are, are you buying that he this is you know the, the the true the true fifth year breakout are you buying that he is now an elite fantasy receiver elite dynasty asset or do you think it's gonna regress somewhere back to where he was previously so i'm not buying for i'm not buying him anymore i was before the season um in my one rebuild i did sell him uh, and now i'm regretting it a little bit but um no i I liked him as a late round pick. Uh, I think you were looking around the 10th round, um, 9th, 10th, maybe 11th round, depending on how high you were on him. But I think his target share and his touchdown rate is just way too high right now. I don't think he's going to sustain that for the rest of the season. I know that Keenan Allen has also had a 26% target share in the offense, and he's only had one touchdown so far. I just think that that's going to revert back to somewhat normality. Yes, I'm, I'm not saying that Mike Williams is going to be uh, hardly fancy relevant, but I don't think that this will keep up. And I do think that Keenan Allen becomes more relevant in yeah. the touchdown scene as well. I think for me, Mike Williams will, will probably finish as a top 24 receiver this year. I don't think I'd shock anyone by saying that. I think from a dynasty perspective, I'm going to... I need to update my survival kit, but I'm probably going to settle him in somewhere in that sort of 24 to 36 range. I think he is a dynasty wide receiver three. I think I'd be uncomfortable value him any more than that. Um, I'd probably throw him in the, you know, the value of a, a kind of a first somewhere around your kind of Elijah Moore, Adam Thielen, people like that. I think if if you can get any more from that, you know, if you can if you can sell him for potentially wide receiver one prices if you can get a first and a second or, or two firsts based on this incredible start. I think absolutely get it. I think I really like the player and I think the, the usage in that offence has been fantastic. You know, we've seen that he is getting schemed up and targeted so heavily in the red zone um, that I think there is going to be some real fancy value there. I just don't think he's going to sustain this as a wide receiver two overall pace. I do think it's going to kind of regress slightly. Um Talking of obscene target shares, so again, another player you've mentioned, so Najee Harris. So he saw a 20% target share on the season. He saw, I saw it was the second highest running back targets in a game since the 1950s in terms of 19 targets. Do you think that, you know, this sort of target share, this sort of usage is is kind of sustainable? Do you think that... Whilst you know it's incredible, he's at ninety-seven. Yeah, it was incredible. He's basically seeing him go touch over a hundred yards, having so many targets. Be, I believe he had less than running back one. Per yard, if they can yeah. can try and get the offense moving a little bit more, or do you think it's, it's yeah, kind of it, it, I don't think that that offensive line will do a like do him any favors so far. Like he, they haven't done so far, and I don't think that it improves much. I think with Najee, he has that opportunity and he's now shown that he can take advantage of the passing game work. But I think this was more of a freak freak game more than anything. Deontay Johnson didn't play in this game. We knew that before the game. Um, And Juju Smith-Schuster, he went out during the game as well. So it was basically um, Claypool... James Washington, if he got onto the field, and Najee, and obviously the two. <laughs> You're pushing it a bit there, Rich. But yeah, no, I, I just don't see this 
keeping up, especially if Juju and Deontay come back. Um, Ray, don't see, Ray, Ray, Ray McLeod getting 19 targets again. But I don't think he, he gets close to what he got. <laughs> he might get 10 at max, to be honest. And the efficiency as well. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's the usage is incredibly exciting. It's hard not to love the fact that you know he's getting this kind of target share. It's, it's yeah, but, but the the problem is is that I'm just really not impressed with this offense. I think that Big Ben basically needs to just accept what he is, and he needs to get rid of the ball quicker. And I think that this offense needs to kind of change, and and it needs to go back to basically what the offense was last year in terms of Big Ben just getting rid of the ball super quick with the occasional deep shot thrown in. And if it goes to that, yeah, I, I do. I am excited to own Najee Harris, but I, from a dynasty perspective, I've got real concerns about the offensive line this year. I don't know if he's ever going to be able to produce incredible stat lines unless he's doing all his work in the receiving game. And next year, who the hell knows what's going to happen with this offense? I can't see Big Ben to be back beyond this year. Are we really believing that Dwayne Haskins is going to be the answer? You know, Pittsburgh being, being Pittsburgh, they'll probably pluck a, you know, someone out of nowhere and 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 maintain the, as a true contender. But I just don't know if I'm willing to commit to a running back in this offense that. I just can't see that ceiling for him at the moment. I think that to buy him, you're going to have to pay probably fringe top 10 prices. And I think I'm, I'm not comfortable paying that at the moment. So uh, another riser, you, you hinted about, you know, the Dalvin Cook injury. Alex Matheson was an absolute stud. I guess this is the, uh, the argument for handcuffing your running backs. Um, do you think that Alex Matheson's ever going to be more than that, Liam? No, I'd, I really don't think he does. He is. Um, Cook signed a new contract, was it two seasons ago now? I think it was four years as well. So Cook's at least on the books for the next two years, I believe. I don't think... I think Madison's really good when he's on the field um, as the, the the number one when Cook's not around. But when Cook's is around, he, he just doesn't do anything. I I really struggle with anything other than sell Madison now. Um because I, I don't his price is never going to be higher than what it is in in my opinion anyway. Um Cook, yeah, could get injured again, but yeah, you've already got that injury now. Sell Madison while you've got him. Yeah. Um, he again he did really well and it's really hard to sell someone after they just put a 20, 25 points. I believe it was the RB six on the week. It's really tough, but I, I'd just sell him if I had him. I think you've got to sell. He's, he's never going to have, in that offence, he's never going to have standalone value. He's you're, he's literally a, you know, a backup running back that is only relevant when Davin Cook is injured. Davin Cook, with his contract, there's no out until 2023. Well, Alexander Matheson's a free agent in 2023. So we're never going to see... Matheson in this offense without Dalvin Cook. So, yeah, if 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 I I don't, I don't roster Alex Matheson because it's not the kind of guy I like to roster. But if if I could get probably a second, I'm I'm probably happy selling that at the moment. Um, the next guy is a big riser. We're not going to talk about him too much because I want to talk about him in a bit. But Jamar Chase again, incredible performance. Um, the final riser. So I know this is one you wanted to to talk about a little bit, Liam. So it's Brandon Cooks. So he is currently the wide receiver six through three weeks. You know, we've seen him produce with Deshaun Watson. We've seen him produce with Tyra Taylor. Mills has now come in and, and he's still producing. How how far do you think Cooks can take this, Liam? I think I, I, I'm going to expect over 15 points PPR-wise every week at this point. Um, I mean, I think... 10 PPR points per week is probably more realistic, but he's just, he's shown that he's not only cute. I I saw this tweet the other day. Um, He's shown that he's not just quarterback proof, he's team proof. Look at how awful the Texans are right now. And yet he was, he's still the wide receiver six through three weeks. I, I, I I don't really know what else I can say on it. I, I was a massive fan of getting him, after the wide receiver 24, I think he was going the wide receiver 
36 to 40 range. Um, he's still only 27. I know that everyone goes crazy once they hit 27, and then when they hit, when a wide receiver hits 30, then it's all value disappears and it turns into dust. But right now, if you're a contender, I don't see why you're not trying to get Brandon Cooks. I have him in um, in a league, and I've been sent some offers. I, I won't disclose what they are in case the people are listening, but. Um, I've just straight up declined them, not even sent a counter because I'm not selling for lower than a first right now. He's the wide receiver six through three weeks. And although I don't expect him to be a wide receiver one, with this good of a start, he he's going to be a wide receiver two at the end of the year. Same situation for Mike Williams, in my opinion. Flip, flipping that then, if you were buying, what what would you be willing to pay? Would you pay a first for him? It depends how much I need another wide receiver like Cooks. I think yeah. with him still being 27, I would do That's it if I really, if I still how needed him. How is he still 27? It feels like he's been around exactly. about 20 years. That is mental. Exactly. When you think, if you back to him being on the Saints, then the Patriots, then the Rams, now the Texans, how is he 27? That is obscene. Yeah, I... I I, I really struggle with it because people see him as this old person. This is what I was talking about with uh, Mike Evans is another one. People see him as being in the league for so long that he must be old, but he's not actually old. Sorry, Brandon Cooks is 28, not 27. Oh, that's it. But, selling. That's, <laughs> that's what the dynasty community does. But to be honest, with, with him still being 28, um, I'm still giving up a first for him if I really need that wide receiver. I don't think you need to in most leagues, but in the leagues I have, I'm not giving him up for less than that. I think you can get him for less than first. I definitely believe that. I think two seconds is probably about the sweet spot right now. Um, So whilst whilst we're doing your player of the week, let's let's dive across to mine then. So Jamal Chase... um, Look, Jamal Chase was was a stud coming out. Everybody expected him to be a stud. He was incredible in college. He was drafted ridiculously highly by the Bengals. The expectations were super, super high. And then he's completely blown them and, you know, completely exceeded them. He's currently the wide receiver 11. Um, I'm a little bit concerned about his touchdown rate. His touchdown rate is 36.4%. So we talked we talked about Mike Williams being high at 18%. And, uh, yeah. Well, um, Jamal Chase is double that. Um, but crazy. I do think that this offense is only going to improve. I think that it's, you know, it, we're starting to see Joe Burrow trust that knee, be fully healthy. We're starting to see him move around more. If t- When T Higgins is back, I just don't get how teams are going to be able to cover them because you've got, Jamal Chase is stretching the field so well. You've got T. Higgins, who's an, an absolute beast in those contested catch areas. And you've got Tyler Boyd feasting underneath. Oh, and not to mention, you've probably got one of the most talented running backs in the league in Joe Mixon. Yes, the offensive line has issues, but teams can't put extra bodies in the box. Teams can't rush, you know, five, six guys because you can't leave Chase, Boyd and Higgins all, all single covered. So... I'm really excited about this offense. I'm really excited about Jamar Chase. I'd probably go out and pay two firsts plus for him. Um, he's, I think, still undervalued just because we talk about rookies really high in the offseason and then suddenly their prices drop once once you sort of the season starts and people go into that region off mentality. He's my dynasty wide receiver 10. Um if I'm being honest, that that could jump up a couple of spots in the next couple of weeks if he keeps producing. Um, I'm I'm all in on Jamal Chase. Is Are he, you? Is he your uh, new CD Lamb? No, he's he's not no. in CD Lamb territory yet. Um, yeah, CD, CD Lamb's my wide receiver five. Um, I'm not, I'm not not in that same tier, but he's he's not a mile off to be honest. He's Ooh. the next tier down. Um, We'll oh, revisit this in a couple of weeks' time then when, yeah. when he has another two touchdowns, 200 yards and about hey, look, if, 700 if catches. Like that, if he's going to keep producing like that, I'm going to be very happy because I do have a lot of Jamar Chase. Um, so 
So then diving into the fallers of the week, Liam. So we've got Carl Pitts. So I have never seen hype like it in terms of Carl Pitts post NFL draft. People were, were telling me he was, uh, he was well, in DLF ADP, he was the Titan 2, having never stepped on the NFL field. We, we talked about calling, you know, calling the Jets uh, in terms of rookie Titan production. He's currently the Titan 15. I think people are starting to kind of turn off pits a little bit. Do you think this could be a sneaky little buy window? I do think it could be, yeah. Um, I definitely don't think anyone has him where they did before the season. That offence is awful right now. Absolutely yeah. awful. I, I don't think that O-line is doing any favours to Matt Ryan, which then causes um, Calvin Ridley to basically be a, an irrelevant factor, which is not good considering how good he was last season. Um, and I believe... Matt Ryan's A dot is currently ridiculously low, but that's not translating to anything else other than the running back position. We're seeing Cordell Patterson, someone that was a kick returner for the Bears for however many years, four years, I believe it was, plus suddenly become fantasy relevant because he's getting seven, eight targets a, a game and a couple of touchdowns. And he's I think Cordell Patterson's the running back eight. Uh, yeah, running back eight or nine right now. He, he's definitely a running back top fifteen at least. But Cole Pitts, I don't see what it's not translating to him. I, I, I haven't think... seen any of the t- tape to see how much involvement he's having and how much involvement Hayden Hurst is currently having. But I do think that it is a sneaky buy window right now. But I think it could get even better as a buyer in a couple of weeks' time if this offense doesn't get fixed. I think for me, it's the usage. And he, yes, he's he's being targeted heavily. That's fine. But for me, if you're drafting a player who's a tight end in the top five overall, you're basically saying he's not a tight end. He's a movable offensive piece. Because if you're going to line him up in line a third of the time, he, he's just not going to be able to be that kind of elite producer. What they, I think they, they needed to do is say, this is Julio Jones. We're going to line him up as a receiver. And in, in certain personnel packages, he can come in line and block and come in line and release from in line. He's currently lined up. So I've got, I've got the, the PFF stats through three games. He's lined up as an inline tight end 48 times. He's lined up in the slot 66 times and he's lined up out wide 44 times. So he's being used almost a third of the time in line. He's being used a third of the time from the slot and a third of the time out wide. To me, if he's not, you know, Mike Gesicki is running 88% of the snaps out of the slot or out wide. Why is Mike Gesicki getting used as more of a receiver than Cole Pitts? This is an, a complete athletic freak that you've taken so high in the draft to use him as a movable offensive piece. And they're basically saying he, he's pretty much a traditional tight end in terms of the the, the where they're lining him up. And I, I just can't get my head around it. But I think, you know, I, I was hugely high on Cole Pitts, the talent. I think the dynasty community went a little bit overboard um, and the price got ridiculous for me. But... Um, yeah, if, if the price is going to drop, I'm I've, I'd, I'd pay tight end five, tight end six prices. Um, if I can get him for a first, um, I'm conscious you're probably not going to be able to to buy him for a first when the guy that drafted him probably drafted him with a you know a top six pick. So if if you can you know do a Noah Fan or a Mark Andrews or Dallas Goddard plus a little something to get yourself a, a Carl Pitts, um, I think that's probably a move to be making. Um, the other faller, Jonathan Taylor, again, we've seen him up as RB2 in Dynasty Value. Um, so I've got a little stat for you here, Liam. So through three weeks, he is currently averaging seven fancy points below expectation. Okay. So here's the RB28 through three weeks. If he was, was net negative in terms of fantasy points above expectation, he would be the RB6. Okay. He has not scored a touchdown. He has been 
against some fairly impressive defensive lines and, and front sevens. I, I still believe in the talent. I think that the redraft price went ridiculous, but I, I fully agree that he was a you know a top four, top five asset in terms of dynasty. Are you going out and, and buying the dip if there is one on, on Jonathan Taylor? I really don't think there is a, a dip right now. I think people are, have seen that they, they, the defences that he's gone against. But to me, this comes back to, I, I love the talent that he has, but if he can't do it against the top defences, he's not one of the top running backs for me. Yes, he's... He, uh, what I say by that is he's not the running back too if he can't do it against those type of defences. That that's it's just as simple as that, in my opinion. I I see him as a as a great player, but a lot of his points last season did come from middle middle defences or lower. And that yes, you expect that, but you see some of the other running backs that play these top defences do pretty well. And Taylor just isn't doing overly well. He's not doing horrendously. He's not falling off the map, but at the same time, he just needs that that touchdown production. And I, I saw a couple of stats earlier. He's one of the worst, if not the worst, running back right now inside the 10-yard line. Um, I believe it was nine rushes or something like that without uh, a touchdown. And I believe it was a combined minus one yard or something ridiculously low like that. I think with Taylor, his price was way too high in the off-season. Maybe it's come down a little bit, but I don't think it's come down enough for me to start buying. I want to see him do this, do what we expect him to do against some of the top defences before I buy back into him. I I think that I agree with you that the price at RB2 got ridiculous. Um, he's my RB3, and I'm, I'm fine paying that price. I think that... To me, he's still head and shoulders above all of the other sophomore running backs. I think that the dynasty RB two is the toughest question. I think that you ask, yes. you ask, you know, hundred people, and they probably give you seven or eight different answers as to who's the RB two and kind of dynasty value. It, it, it's it's basically a pick your poison. It's it's not a good position to be. Um, but I do believe in the talent. I think he is an incredible running back I think he's an absolute freak in terms of the size speed and I do think that a lot of those stats will regress to the mean and I think we're going to see an uptick in running back production uh, in terms of touchdown production I think we're going to see you know him start to pay off the price from a dynasty perspective I still think that you know him being a first round redraft pick was was absolutely ridiculous um another couple of, of quick fallers so Robert Woods He's the wide receiver 47 currently. Do, do you think that this offense is now Cooper Cups? Do you think that there's kind of the, the regression coming? He's still seeing a 20% target share. He's just not getting those touchdowns, not getting those kind of valuable touches that we're seeing go to Cooper Cup. I think it will get back to somewhat normal or what we saw with the Goff offense, but I do think Cup is now the wide receiver one there. Um I was more of a cup over Woods guy before um, the season started, but I do think Woods is going to come back from his, quite frankly, awful start to the season and get back to somewhat normality. Um, but uh, I think Cup will stay as a top 12 wide receiver so far uh, and probably end up in the top end wide receiver two at the lowest range by the end of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And the final faller, um, well, it's not a faller, it's a whole group of fallers, and it's, it's the rookie QBs. Okay, I, we, we were talking before the season, you know, rookie QBs are pretty much a <laughs> proposition, but apparently all five of these QBs were going to be Hall of Famers. We could, you know, start, start threading the gold jackets already. They all are pretty much struggling. You know, even Mac Jones had a, a pretty awful performance on Sunday. Are there any that you're seriously concerned about, Liam? Are there any that you're buying the dip? Because I think the value has dipped on, on all five of them, to be honest. I went out and tried to get um, Zach Wilson and the, the price hadn't dipped whatsoever. Okay. Um, that's obviously just one person. But 
Yeah, I, I don't think the value is dropping quite yet. I think a couple more games like this and we might see a bit of a dip. I think the only one that's really unaffected by it is Trey Lance. But I I think his value is dipping in another way because Jimmy G, although he's not playing like a like like Trey Lance's ceiling could be, I do think that Jimmy G is keeping them afloat and keeping them in games. Like look at what they did to the, the Packers this week. I mean, if that quarterback is anyone other than Rodgers, I don't think they come back from 37 seconds needing a, a field goal and no to, uh, no timeouts. So I think Jimmy G keeps them afloat. If a couple more losses do come in, they, they might look at transitioning to Trey Lance. But I think the rest of them I, I, I struggle with. I don't really know what to do because I don't believe their value is dropping. Justin Fields is the only one, really, that if I see any value drop, I'm going out and buying because I truly think this is Nagy's last season. If this continues, it's awful. <laughs> there was no scheme this week. It, it was just, let's try and get our quarterback killed. It was awful. <laughs> it, was, it was It was. absolutely ridiculous. And look, if I've, I've sent out, I think, about 10 or 15 offers for Justin Fields before we jumped on this pod. So I'm um, I'm hoping that by the end of this pod, I'm going to have bought a few more shares of Justin Fields because he was my quarterback too coming out. I still believe in the talent. I still think that he has got elite kind of fantasy production because I think with, uh, you know, an, even a normal offensive mind, I think he's going to get him out and, and rushing and, and moving around. I think that yeah, Matt Nagy's. It, it was awful. The scheme. It was awful. Everything across the board. Um, but I, I do believe in the talent. I think that Justin Fields has the potential to be a, you know, top five, top six dynasty QB in a couple of years. So if I can go out and get him for anything less than the first, I'm absolutely doing that. The same with Zach Wilson. The same with Matt Jones. The same with Trevor Lawrence. I think the the price could have dropped on Trevor Lawrence. I think we're seeing some bonehead mistakes. We're seeing some really stupid you know, attempts at passes that he should never even be there. But then you're also seeing some incredible elite arm talent. And some of the throws he's making, there's like two or three guys in the league that should be making. Um, so I'm, I'm, I mean, it's still in all, all five. If I can get them for less than they went in kind of the rookie draft, um, then yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually buying that dip. And so our deep dive players of the week, Liam. So do you want to, do you want to head us off with your, your super deep dive? So, I really struggle with deep dive players. As you probably heard last last week, my deep dive player wasn't really that deep, nor is this week. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Henry Rooks, purely because of the value dip we saw last season. I think he's got to a point now where everyone kind of gave up on him before the season. I was trying to sell him where I had him. Um, I think... We, we kind of just gave up and thought, okay, he's done nothing year one. He's not going to ever do anything again. And I know that's your mantra, Rich, so I'm not going to step on that too much. But we've seen him start to get into this offense. And Derek Carr's playing absolutely out of his mind right now. He's playing so, so well. He took down the Ravens. Um, it, are the Oakland Raiders 3-0 right now? Who would have called that? Division. I think the, the, the Las Vegas Raiders might be three and zero. I'm not sure the Oakland Raiders. Oh, oh, I, how have I done that? That's been like two years now, hasn't it? So yeah, the the the, the Vegas Raiders. Who, who'd have called that division? The Chiefs being at the bottom of that division yeah. after three weeks, and then both the Broncos and the Raiders being three and zero. But anyway, back to Rooks. He's had a forty fourteen uh, percent target share this um, over the past three weeks. And he's had 24% air yard target share. So that, to me, is saying that he's getting a lot of the deep balls thrown his way and he's becoming what Nelson Aguilar was last year. I think you're going to see a lot of competition around Renfro, um, Waller and um, Brian Edwards around the, the middle of the field and close to the line of scrimmage, but I don't see who else is taking those long bomb targets away from Ruggs. Yes, it does mean that he might become more of a boom-bust play, but he's still putting up decent PPR points and then still has that high upside, high ceiling potential. 
maybe it's a little bit of a buy window right now before people catch on to this. Um, but at the same time, I understand that you might be a bit more sceptical right now because of what Ruggs didn't do last year. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll believe it when I see it with Ruggs. And I think I've, I've never been off him as an NFL receiver. I think he's a fantastic NFL receiver. I think he takes the top off the defence. I think, you know, teams have to shift shift the coverage across to him because he is so fast. And I think that from a offensive coordinator standpoint, I think he's a dream because he does change the dynamic and change the numbers in terms of how you line things up. From a fancy perspective, I, I, I just don't can't buy in at the moment. He's had okay two one one really good week in week two, one's one solid week this week and, and week one was was nothing. I just I just don't think he's ever going to be consistent. And it's just, you know, we talk about this is the exact kind of guy that I just don't want to roster because they're too good to cut. But I don't think you ever get fair value in a trade and you never feel comfortable starting him. You know, he's probably going to have in the next three weeks, he'll have what he's done in the last three weeks. He'll have one absolute boom week where he's a top top 12, top 24 wide receiver. He'll have a week where he's in that sort of 10 to 12 PPR points. Then he'll have a complete dud. And, you know, if, if you can predict which one of those weeks is going to happen when, I, I take my hat off to you. I, I completely get the talent and I think that he could be great. He could be great, but I just, I'm, I'm not wanting to buy in yet. I'm not saying that he's going to be a top 12 wide receiver. No, no I, I know you're not. I think that, it's yeah. more of a, he's got so low in people's minds right now that if you buy him right now, I, I doubt that you're having to pay a second for him. Maybe oh, two, absolutely. maybe two thirds at max, and then yeah. potentially I think at the end of the season, you're selling for a second. That's somewhat profit. Yeah, it may not be much, but I think he will improve over the season. And he's shown that he's got he's got that talent to be able to do what he's already done. If he keeps that up for a good portion, if not the rest of the season, I do think that his price rises in dynasty, and that's yeah. when we can potentially sell someone but he is a year two wide receiver that didn't do anything year one so i knew what i was getting myself into when i put this on the show sheet <laughs> well well I'll, I'll i'll give you a proper deep dive in our in our deep dive segment uh so i'm going with colin johnson who was a former jacksonville jaguar he made his debut with the new york giants this week um i'll be honest this is this is completely the kind of guy that i never roster i never want to it's, he's a fourth or fifth receiver he's a guy that you know you can't get anything for he's never going to have a, a blow up due to injuries however in this occasion where the entire new york giants wide receiver core is currently injured um we could see a boom because of injury and uh we've seen kenny Golladay's carrying a niggle darius slayton Sterling Shepard, both both gone down with hamstring injuries. Evan Ingram's obviously coming back from an injury last week. Kadarius Tony is, you know, can we call him a bust after three weeks? He's he's he's, he's, he's not showing <laughs> up at all. Um, but Colin Johnson this week saw in his in his debut for the Giants a twenty percent target share, thirty three percent ADR share. If if these hamstring injuries do linger for a couple of weeks, this could easily be a guy that that could carve out a nice little role over the next couple of weeks, and and then you can sell. You know, you can probably go and pick him up off your waivers this week. You know, maybe Chad Chuck sort of five ten percent of your fab at him, and and in a week or two, if you can sell him for a, a third round pick, but you've basically got yourself a three for a free third round pick. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I. I struggle with these type of wide receivers because I also nearly put um, Tyler Johnson on here after what he did this week. But I, I just really struggle with the idea of picking someone up like this. You're, you're literally punting for someone to then try and pay for a third. And yeah. I, I think too many people are too clever right now in, in a lot of leagues that if they oh. see you pick up someone, they aren't going to pay you for him <laughs> after a couple of weeks. They're going to wait and wait and wait and see whether you're going to roster him for the rest of the season. I, when I watched his tape, uh, when I watched his tape coming out of college, I really liked it. I, I enjoyed it. But he also just wasn't one of those top guys. All of this could be said about Tyler Johnson as well. I think he's just another one in this, in this world where I... I 
liked the tape, but I didn't know how far it would actually go in the in the NFL. Um, and the only reason I'm talking about Tyler Johnson now is I nearly put him on on this segment. Um, well, I just I did, look. I I just wanted to you know give give this segment its its true kind of honor. Okay, of, I, know, see, I see. Like, now. We we but could all sit here and, and pick. Yeah, we could all sit here and pick. You know, top fifteen. NFL draft picks, you know, a guy in his sophomore year that was the first wide receiver drafted in the NFL. You know, we could all go really deep and pick those guys, but I just wanted to, you know, go a bit deeper and, and pick an unheard of guy that most people have probably never even thought about rostering. Okay, I, I just wait until next week when I pick someone that you've never even heard of before. I, I look forward to it. I look forward to uh, to the conversation. So our, our listener questions of the week, Liam, have, have we got a couple of que- questions? We have two, actually. We've got them both from the Dynasty, Dynasty Listener League, which are coming in clutch over the past couple of weeks with these questions. So first one comes from ATM 2016. What is going on with the Bears' offence and what do uh, what to do with Robinson? So that's Alan Robinson and David Montgomery. We hinted at this earlier. I don't know what's going on with the Bears offense at all. Um, I can't tell you there was no scheme this week. It, it seemed like he was, or when I say he, uh, Matt Nagy, the head coach, it seemed like he didn't know what to do. To, I, I'm not a head coach myself, obviously. That's why I'm sat here in a chair on a Tuesday night recording a podcast. But it just looked like his plan went out of the window within the first couple of snaps. There was no, there was no there. adjustment. There was absolutely no adjustment. Basically, the the Browns they they set up to to basically have a guy sat outside the pocket so that Justin Fields couldn't get outside the pocket, and that was like Matt Nagy was like, "Oh, okay, I, I can't I can't roll out. I can't get the guy outside the pocket." He didn't try moving the pocket. He didn't try anything else. He was just like, "Oh, okay, we, we can't do that." So Justin Fields just needs to stand in the pocket. Oh, I've I've got an idea. Let's let's go five out and see if I can get rid of the ball quick. And it, it just didn't work. Um, even you know the zone reads. You, you saw the Browns defense were doing the you know the scrape zone read where the D end crashes down. Justin Fields keeps the ball, thinks that you know that's the right read, and then the linebacker scraping across, and and he had nowhere to go. And it was it was just clueless. I've never seen an offensive coordinator in the NFL basically come up with a scheme go, oh, okay, it's not working. Oh, well, never mind. We'll, we'll, we'll just throw Justin Fields out and see what he can do. We'll, we'll go empty and, and see if he can get rid of the ball quick. It was just basically clueless. And, you know, I see Rex Ryan was saying that he should be sacked because it was it was either negligence or or basically wanted Justin Fields killed. And to be honest, it's hard not to disagree with that. Yeah. If I've got any any shares of Bears players, I'm, I'm not panicking. You, you can't panic. If you're trying to sell now, you're doing it wrong because you're selling at an absolute low. I still think that that Alan Robinson and and potentially Dave Montgomery have, have got some value, but I wouldn't be comfortable paying if I'm a contender. I don't want to pay this year, and if I'm rebuilding, they're not pieces I want to buy in a rebuild. To be honest, so, so yeah, it's diff- I, they're, they're a whole as an entire team. I think. Yeah, I think Alan Robinson is on the uh, last year of his contract. He was on the franchise tag this year. So you could potentially see him move on next year and go into a much better situation. I I would much rather take that take that chance with Robinson. I think Montgomery wise specifically. Again, I I think that he's going to improve over the season, but we'll just have to see how that goes because it depends on who is that quarterback and whether they're going to try and get that quarterback killed every week like they did last uh, this week. Moving on to the last listener question we have. So this is from Alex Harker. Um, is zero three too early to declare a rebuild for a team that was wasn't obviously in a rebuild before the season? So I spoke about this in the um, in the latest roster management article that I wrote that went out earlier today. I think if you're Zero and three at this point it is really difficult to come back from this, but I have seen it happen. I think you hold for at least one more week and we see how it goes for you. If you go to zero or four, that's when I'm saying to the rest of the league, let's just go into rebuild or go retool. 
Um, if you don't know what either of those concepts are, again, go on to the Five Yard Dynasty um, website or the Five Yard Rush website, sorry. And my articles are on there that will explain a bit more on those concepts. But I think at the moment, don't dive out of the window too quickly. Zero and three can become uh, can come back from. But I think if you go to zero or four, you need to have a proper think about what you're doing. I think for me, it's difficult to sit here and say zero and three, yet yeah, rebuild, don't rebuild, because there's a lot of different looking zero and threes, isn't there? You know, you can be an 0 and three and you can have the worst points scored, you can have the worst max max points scored and, and you can basically be a, a dreadful team or you can be 0 and three and you've been the second high scorer each week and you've just been really unlucky. So for me, I my little phrase is that I want to be the first to commit to a rebuild and I want to commit to that rebuild as quickly as possible, but I want to wait as long as possible because what I don't want to do is I don't want to say, right, I'm rebuilding, win two weeks on the trot and then suddenly be like, oh, actually, I might be able to compete. So for me, it's in Dynasty at this point of the year, I'm sort of making a decision of I'm all or nothing. And if I'm fully rebuild, then I'm selling off every piece that I can that I don't think is going to help me next year. And I'm not looking, if I'm rebuilding, I'm not looking beyond 2022. I don't believe in two, three-year rebuilds. It is, I'm looking to turn it around in a year. So I'm looking 2022. So I'm not selling off every single piece I can. You know, if I've got Cooper Cup, if I've got even someone like Alan Robinson, I'm, I'm not looking to sell them off cheaply. Yes, if I can get an overpay for them and, and a better package than I think they're worth, I'm absolutely selling them. But I'm not just selling off every piece willy-nilly just because I, I'm, I'm desperate to get rid of anyone that can, can win the points. Um, the, the, the key thing to look at, though, is if you are committing to a rebuild, is make sure you know your league settings for draft order. Because what you don't want to do, I don't agree with leagues that do it this way, but some leagues will have the winner of the, the, the loser's bowl, the toilet bracket, whatever you want to do, gets the number one pick. Well, you don't want to sell off all your pieces, be a rubbish team, and then not be able to compete compete in the toilet bowl and end up getting the number six pick. I mean, any any leagues that do it that way are ridiculous in my mind. Um, but just make sure you know those rules before you before you start committing to any rebuild. Another thing on the rules as well is I know in all of the leagues that I commission currently, apart from I believe one. I have the last seed in the playoffs be the team with the highest max points scored um, outside of the playoffs. So I have five or three or five, depending on how many teams are in the playoffs, as the, just the normal record seeding. But then that last spot is whoever has the best team outside of the playoffs, purely for those teams that go 0 or 3 really early on. And then ha- actually have one of the most decent teams in the in the league. Um, so maybe your league has something along those lines. I do think that you need to look at the max PF uh, if you're on sleeper or potential points if you're on MFL or something along those lines. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that concludes it for the week. Um, we will obviously have a series of articles coming on the five yard rush page over the, the coming days. Um Liam obviously hinted at his roster management series. I dropped my wave wire article. Um, we've got Danny's Risers and Fallers. Um, Lewis will be back with another um, future star tomorrow, today. Um, and I will have my Dynasty Buys and Sales again on Friday. Um, so if you're not, you can follow me. I'm at Dynasty Island. You can follow Liam. He's at the FSA Tweets. You can follow the main Dynasty account at 5 Yard Dynasty. And we will see you all again next week. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. 
people who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.